0: Welcome to another edition of the Equalizer podcast and believe it or not we're at the end of September when we talk to you again next weekend it will be October and the NWSL fall series rolled on this weekend my name is Dan Lolletta Rachel Krigger is along for the ride on this podcast for the final weekend in September and that fall series Let's talk about it. We got an uninterrupted weekend in. We had uh, Chicago and Washington on CBS playing to a 1-1 draw. Savannah McCaskill scored for Chicago. Crystal Thomas with an equalizer for the Washington Spirit. Rain and Royals played to a 2-2 draw in front of some fans, I might add, at uh, Rio Tinto Stadium. And the goals there, the Royals got on the board early. Diallo in the ninth minute, Yara King in the 22nd. But then the rain scored in the 23rd. Bethany Balser and Rosie White equalized in the 28th. And then the Houston Dash beat the Orlando Pride three to one goals in this one. Michelle Prince, Sophie Schmidt from the spot, and Shea Groom. And for Orlando, Marissa Vigiano, which was the Pride's first goal in all of 2020. Remember, they missed out on the Challenge Cup and were Zero zero in their original game their first game of the fall series against north carolina current so rachel welcome for the weekend uh what did you see this weekend
1: good to good to be back um it kind of felt a little bit normal having um three games in one day and kind of just going through that grind again it, it gave a little bit of <clears throat> excuse me normalcy in a very not normal season um yeah it was a it was a good slew of games i i got to watch the Earlier game and the later game caught it, caught some of the highlights from the OL rain Utah Royals game. But I mean, overall, I thought it was pretty good soccer. I thought that midfields looked pretty good together. I liked the um, addition of Rosie White in the midfield for OL rain. And yeah, I'm probably going to say her name like 50,000 times on this podcast. So let's get the count going. Um, Shirley Cruz was just a, a boss in the midfield for. Uh, oh, i rain and I'm really excited to see how that partnership with her and Allie Long blossoms together. Um, but I guess going down the line for, for Washington and Chicago, it was basically the Kalia Watt show. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of chances for her. I think her final tally was three shots, um, with technically none of them going on goal, but she was pretty dangerous throughout the whole day and, and did a really nice job for, for Chicago, uh, I think she could have been a little bit more selfish on a couple plays. Um, and then I know there was another chance that she had that she probably should have been unselfish and, and sent across inside to, I think it was Savannah McCaskill, but, um, cool to see McCaskill to kind of bounce back after having that red card against the Spirit a few weeks ago and, um, and coming back and scoring a goal uh, against the Spirit. Uh And then for the later game, I mean, Houston, yeah, they dipped a little bit against the North Carolina Courage, but that was, I mean, that was in itself a thriller, a four to three win for North Carolina. I think that was last week, maybe two weeks ago. Um Time is irrelevant, right, Dan? <laughs>
0: yeah, and uh, you covered it all, I think, right there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the Canadian connection, I think, is always going to be the story for uh the the houston dash for quite some time now with nichelle prince and sophie schmidt both of them got on the scoreboard um and then shay groom kind of just building where she left off from the challenge cup so it's 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 good to see all
0: right i can take what you said any number of ways let's start with what you most recently said about the canadian connection and specifically nichelle prince for the dash because i have heard for like a year and a half now you know, Shell Prince really played well, and Shell Prince looks like she's coming along and blossoming and all that, and I am a Shell Prince fan. But to see her actually score that goal, you know, to actually make a contribution, I think that is the first time that that I've really watched her play where she's had a – not the, it's not a positive contribution when you play well, but she's an attacking player, and to finally see her get that goal and a very nice goal rather than, well, she was in position, you know – had the cross and it didn't work out or, you know, took the shot and it hit the post or it went high and wide. It was a really, really nice goal. And uh, you wonder, you know, about, you know, can she get that much better? And, you know, the dash seemed to have found something. Uh, you know, it's hard with the fall series to really figure it out, but it does seem like maybe they get a little carryover effect from winning that challenge cup.
1: Yeah, I think they're one of the teams too that don't have as many players gone from their um, starting lineup over in oh, so Europe. So their best
0: players gone.
1: Yeah, Rachel Daly's gone. Obviously, that leaves a hole. Um, Cece Kaiser who stepped up left. Um, you know, but for the most part, the core group is there. Um, and I think Nichelle Prince's goal, which what really impressed me about it, was she literally had Tony Presley coming full speed, and it was it was kind of like almost. A hockey move that those two just like bash shoulders together and nichelle prince was still able to get the shot off and have it on target and go into goal so i think it was really impressive i really like her uh as a player i think she's i don't want to say not underrated because i don't think she's done i enough consistently to be considered underrated but i think she's one of those players that a lot of people have been just kind of waiting to see, like, when is she going to make that leap to just be this top-tier player, I guess. I don't know how to say that. But I think that she's kind of kind of becoming her own, and she's getting more and more chances with Houston, and she's showing that she deserves to be in the starting lineup, and she can be a consistent player.
0: And what I liked about this game also from the Houston perspective was on the – I believe it was on Groom's goal, Um, Breva Sally made a run into the box and then kind of cut it toward the top of the six, and it it essentially turned into a decoy run, and it actually pulled one of the defenders and gave a little bit more room for the shot. And, you know, unselfish play like that, if you can do that kind of thing consistently, that can take you an awful long way. That can be what changes you from a mid-table team to a top-of-the-table team, because that gets contagious, and when it works out, you want to do it more often. And uh, that that stuck out to me, and plus the fact that I thought at the Challenge Cup that the Dash were almost across the board better when Brie Vasali was there on the field as opposed to the times that she wasn't.
1: Yeah, I think that Brie Vasali has been kind of that diamond in the rough piece for Houston. It was It was one of those finds that – you know she came over from England and she kind of just blew up during the Challenge Cup but yeah I think I think Houston as a team has just been it, it, it's been the tail of the tape this year that they've been so much fun and exciting to watch and they're kind even though they lost against North Carolina too they were still fun to watch in that game I mean a four to three game is is pretty it's pretty entertaining Um, just not when you're a defender but I think the Oracle keeper for that matter um, but I think that Houston has just been fun to watch and I like the group that they have uh, here in the fall series I think that North Carolina definitely provides a, a challenge no matter if, if they have Sam Mewis or or without Sam Mewis and without some of the players that have opted out and whatnot and I think that Orlando is doing so many different things that it's kind of hard to prepare for them because they have all of these new players, and it's like, well, who are they going to throw out there? What kind of formation is Mark Skinner going to throw out there? So I think they have a really good group in terms of it's just going to be a... Honestly, it's just going to be like a fight no matter what because of just the odds that are up they're up against.
0: Another point you made uh, in your little review of the weekend was about Rosie White. And you know if you remember... Rosie White went to the rain in 2019 after Fishlock tore her ACL and there were back-to-back games where the rain won one nothing and Rosie White had the goal in both games and they had such a crazy bizarre 2019 season and they managed to get in the playoffs and they probably wouldn't have been there without that contribution from Rosie White who as you know started uh, in in Boston and then left the league and came back and wound up um you know, with the rain up in the Pacific Northwest, but, you know, you get her playing like that, you get Fishlock playing well, that could be a real potent duo because I still, you know, I kind of feel with the rain, which is, you know, I thought this when I thought we are going to have a real season that they were going to struggle to find an identity. And I still feel like they're struggling to find an identity, but, uh, you know, a rosy white contribution can only be a good thing there.
1: I think so too. And I think that even still they have another really good player in Danny Weatherholt. I've always liked her. And I thought that maybe just the fit in Orlando wasn't great for her. So to see her go to the rain and I guess just get a new challenge, something different has been good. And I, I was, I don't remember who I was talking to about this the other day, but one of our um NWSL media friends up in Seattle, but I say, you know, the argument was Rosie white, Danny Weatherholt. Um, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are talking to her saying, oh, it's Rosie White's a shoe and Rosie White's a shoe and, but I think that Danny Weatherholt too possesses some, not some talent, but just talent. And she, I think she would be good in that range midfield. I would like to see her working with Allie Long and Shirley Cruz, um, and with the attacking players like Balser and Spencer and, and whatnot. But yeah, I think Rosie White is, is probably one of the more unsung players in the in the nwsl maybe it's because you know she's not the most she's probably not the most popular but i think that she's just a really hard worker and i liked how she looked um granted i really only got to see the highlights but i liked what i saw uh against utah
0: now on the flip side there some of the defending that i saw this week around the league was i don't even know how to describe it the the chiara king goal for the Royals, the Reign players were literally standing in front of the goal with their arm shrugging, like the arm shrug emoji that we all use now from time to time. I mean, it, w- it was terrible. The Crystal Thomas equalizer for the Spirit was on a really not only a poor back pass and I think a poor effort on the player that it was intended for, too, but a bizarre decision even to make that kind of pass in that situation. Um, you know, the the goal that Orlando scored, I mean, Jane Campbell, what are you doing on the near post? There was about an inch and a half in between Campbell and the near post and that one, um, you know, squeaked in. I thought the defensive breakdowns this weekend were striking. I don't know if that's a factor of teams not being together or, um, you know, maybe it was just an off weekend, but it really struck me this weekend how poor the defending was, both individual and as, and team defending
1: yeah I don't have an answer for that but i i can definitely attest to the um the crystal thomas goal uh it was it was just not good i think that chicago just kind of i don't want to say got lazy but i guess for lack of better phrase got lazy the the back pass wasn't good it was just i feel like it was an easy mistake to avoid but i think that i don't know i the defending at both the challenge cup and the fall series i think has just been meh it's been as you said, that shrug emoji, it's been like whatever um but I think that I don't know if that's because of how everything has been switched around in terms of players being gone, players opting out, and all that all those factors,
0: yeah, I guess uh we won't know. I mean, I do think defending is the one thing, even though you know it's probably more difficult, I guess, to develop a consistent cohesive attacking structure but you know you can probably come up with creative attacking play a little bit more off the cuff and it maybe takes a little bit longer for defensive players to blend in together you know i didn't think casey murphy had a really good game so you know we'll see maybe again maybe it was just what happened on the weekend but i thought the defending was uh was quite poor and crystal thomas by the way and i've said this on the podcast in the past she is the next Kristen Hamilton, she scored another goal. She was not drafted. She is a player that has come from when Spirit were putting her on and off the roster a couple years ago, depending on injuries and absences. I am all in on Crystal Thomas 2021 being a big factor for that team.
1: I want to back up to your point about Casey Murphy because I think that's really interesting because I think there's such an open goalkeeper competition with the Reign. I I also think that between – Portland and – well, maybe – I would have said Portland before um, – who tore her ACL? Bella Bixby. Before Bella Bixby yep. tore her ACL, like that one of those goalkeepers was going to go to Louisville um, between her and Britt Eckerstrom. And now it's like, well, wh- who knows? And then you got to throw Adriana Franch in there as well. Um, but I think with the rain now, there's such a wide-open competition between Casey Murphy and Michelle Betos, and right now, even though she did come off that injury, I think you have to give the edge to Michelle Betos. I think I think she was really solid in the Challenge Cup. Casey Murphy had her moments in the Challenge Cup, but right now with just how the games have been played and, and the consistency factor, I think you have to go with the hot hand, and I think that Michelle Betos is the starting goalkeeper. And um, to that point about Portland, I think now Louisville might be looking at um, – I, I was gonna call them Tacoma, but I think Louisville's gonna look at, uh, the rain and think, well, they got two really solid goalkeepers and we can take one of them. So, I mean, granted, we don't know the rules and the protections and all that jazz yet. But I think that if, if I'm Christy Hawley and I'm looking for a goalkeeper to maybe get in an expansion draft, I think I'm looking toward the rain and I'm looking to maybe snag, well, either one of those would be a good snag, I think but right now i think for the rain michelle betos is the is the starter and i'm intrigued to see cuz they play on wednesday now against portland cuz that game got rescheduled as we know twice so i think that it would be a bit foolish of ben Steady to not give michelle betos the nod just to you know kind of keep that competition open and then make a decision off of that
0: dan law with rachel Kriger, we will have more potpourri nwsl talk and a couple of european updates when we come back on the other side for segment two you are listening to the equalizer podcast What's up, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here, founder of The Equalizer. I want to make sure that you know we also have another podcast called Kickin' Back, which is interview-based. We talk to players, coaches, personalities from across women's soccer about defining moments in their career and some important things from the present day and look ahead a little bit to the future. We've had guests like Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, Jill Ellis, Bev Yanez, Allie Riley, Julie Foudy and Mia Hamm, so many already and many more to come. So please go ahead and check out Kicking Back Pod on any platform you find your podcast after, of course, you've finished up with this episode of the Equalizer podcast. Back on the Equalizer podcast, Dan Lawletter with Rachel Krigger. And a reminder to please check out our web content at EqualizerSoccer.com. Or for premium content, EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. And if not already a member over at EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe, go there now and sign up for your free seven-day trial. And one other reminder that if you like what you hear on the podcast, please rate and review the Equalizer podcast today. Rachel uh, was talking about... Uh, Casey Murphy and Michelle Betos with the rain and whatnot, and they're going to be playing on uh, Wednesday with, with the double makeup against the Portland Thorns. Um, I, look, I you know, I meant I made my case for Crystal Thomas in segment one, but I have long been part of the Michelle Betos fan club. But I still think, and I'm not saying that Betos can't or even shouldn't play this week. You know, I think, I think, you know, if you are putting yourself out there to play and make yourself ready for these games, you should get some minutes if you're healthy, you know, period. Because these are not games that are, you know, tipping the scales in anything in particular. Uh, So I do think that all the keepers and everybody should get in. But, I mean, isn't Casey Murphy's, like, maybe the future of the women's national team pool? Don't you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I do. And I would love to see her on the U.S women's national team roster over certain uh, goalkeepers in the league, yeah. but um, <laughs> I'm making it very subtle as I can. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think that I think, I don't know. It's really hard because like these games are about experimentation and all of that stuff. So, and I, and I think that I hope that Ben Steady has the awareness that one of his goalkeepers might be going to Louisville um this this next this next offseason so he might want to look at both and prepare and you know when it comes to protecting players and stuff and stuff just trying to figure out okay well here's a game plan for this one and here's a game plan for that one I don't know I would I wouldn't be surprised to see Casey Murphy starting on Wednesday I wouldn't be mad to see Casey Murphy starting at all I just think that Equal distribution, I guess, uh, for lack of a better phrase. I would like to see Michelle Betos in in that.
0: And speaking of keepers, Melissa Louder made her pro debut for the uh, Royals and gave up the two goals to the rain. Didn't make any saves, but was in there for the 90 and got a draw out of it. And uh, if you're wondering about the standings, because there is a community shield at stake and there will be donations made on behalf of the winning team, the Red Stars... Courage and Spirit right now are all sitting on top of the table at four points apiece. Goal difference puts the Red Stars on top. But let's note that they've all played multiple games, and the Thorns, who have only played once and have a 3-0 win, are really in the best position right now. Uh, propping it up uh, with one point are the Rain, Pride, and Royals. Reign have played once. Pride and Royals have played twice. And to wrap it up, the Dash and Sky Blue FC both have three points, but I think you wanted to talk a little more Orlando pride.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that Orlando kind of going on the news this week of a positive test for Houston dash player. Um, there were some players who elected to not opt out of the rest of the fall series, but opt out of the game uh, heading to the to BBVA and heading to the dash. So, I give them, you know, we've talked about this before both on and off air that if players want to make a decision to opt out because of COVID, that's totally their right and totally okay because of how crazy this has all been. Um, so Kristen Edmonds and Sydney LaRue both decided to opt out. Um, but the issue that I have was that it wasn't on their injury report. There was really little to no transparency from the pride when it came to it. It was just kind of like, Oh, when the game, <clears throat> right before the game started, hey, these two players aren't coming. I think Edmonds had spoke out about it before the game started. But, I mean, like a couple days in advance. But with Sydney LaRue, it was just like, oh, hey, by the way, um, I'm not traveling. And the fact that she and Edmonds had to make these statements on their own kind of made me feel like, like the pride weren't supporting them in it. Um, And I don't think that the players should have had to make that decision on their own about uh, or make that statement on their own about opting out of this game. I think that the lack of transparency in the NWSL has been an issue for a number of years. And and one thing that was brought up, I don't remember, one of our colleagues had brought this up. I want to say it was Meg, but Meg Lenahan, but I'm not sure. But you see with MLS and other leagues uh, like the NFL, and and the NHL they do they do testing as well and they make it kind of they made it make it known to the media through like a communications like a newsletter or a social media post or whatnot Um, and they'll say so-and-so test has been administered Um, this number came back positive this number came back negative um, and whatnot and I just think that the NWSL not doing that probably isn't the best look they did it during the challenge cup in terms of just when it was necessary and i i think that if they're still competing in the fall series and yes these are these are technically like friendlies they're they don't count for really anything standings wise and and whatnot for like a, a shield and and playoffs um but they're still playing professional soccer and i think if you're doing that you need to be more transparent the league and the pride itself The fact that they didn't have, um, Edmonds and, um, and LaRue on the injury report. Obviously you think that they're going to play. If they're not on the injury report, you think they're going to play. They're going to, they're going to travel. And then all of this stuff had come out that they're not traveling, wasn't on the injury report, and they were just opting out of this game because of COVID concerns. So I don't know. I mean, you've been around a lot longer than me, Dan. (laughs) I haven't, but in the time that I've been around, and I cover both MLS and NWSL, so I, I kind of – and granted, they're two very different leagues, but I see how communication works in each league. And I think with the NWSL, it's just – a lot of it is just lack of transparency.
0: Well, first let me echo your sentiments, Rachel, that I haven't criticized and I won't criticize anyone for opting out of anything because of COVID-19. So this is not about Sydney LaRue and Kristen Edmonds not traveling for this game. Right. This is about – how this and other similar scenarios get handled. And I wish I could tell you there was a good old days where we got all the information we needed in women's soccer. Th- those days don't exist. We need the good days to be tomorrow. Uh, because if you look at it, you know, and you and, look, you and me are talking NFL in between segments that we're recording here. The, you know, one of the reasons the NFL works as well as it does is because the NFL knows exactly How to transmit information that they want the fans to have and that fans want to have, whether that be through proper channels, an injury report, whether it be through leaked information, or whether they figure out who it's used as a middle person to leak information. That's one of the reasons the NFL works so well. Do I want the NWSL to be the NFL? No, not in a lot of ways, but I think they should really – Take a few weeks and just look at how that league gets information from, you know, the internal mechanism that is the NFL to the media and to the fans. And you're right. You cannot run a credible sports league like there is a lower ceiling on a professional sports league that won't reveal the information that is needed. than there is on a league that will be and they don't have to be fully transparent, but there are ways to you know, keep information from people without being fully transparent, but give off the illusion that you're being fully transparent, right? You've talked to enough coaches. They usually tell you about the same amount of information. Some of them give it to you in a usable quote. Some of them don't.
1: I think you're totally right. I think that, you know, we don't want to be, I say we as the NFL, they don't want to be the NFL in terms of, I guess, like the leaking stuff. If, if I'm following you correctly, but I think that they're just. No, they should be, be the some- NFL
0: with leaking stuff. You got to get information out there. You know, you don't have to make you don't have to make it a statement from the league. And in this case, yes, there should have been a statement from the team and maybe even from the league. I'm just saying, generally speaking, yeah, you should be leaking things to the media because you want information to be known. You, if a player is not on the field, you people want to know why, and you've got to get them that information unless it's absolutely essential that we don't know. That's what they sign up for. They're getting paid to be professional athletes. And that's part of that's an occupational hazard being a pro athlete is that if you sprain your ankle or if you opt out for health reasons that don't involve actually playing soccer, that we deserve right to know that. And a lot of other things that we don't ever know either.
1: I think it just like it makes it confusing too. Like if you just don't know these things, because like I said, I mean, not seeing Edmonds and LaRue on the injury report, you're thinking, okay, so they're going to play or they're at least going to be in the 18 and then they're not in the 18 and you don't see their name on the lineup card and everything. And you're just like, well, what happened? Something must have happened. And especially now with COVID, like the imagination could be a a crazy thing. Like, Oh, you don't, you don't see their name on the injury report or this, or the lineup card. Well, did they just contract, did they contract COVID on the plane or, or, or at a hotel or whatnot? So I think that it just, it just makes the job confusing. And, and the, the lack of transparency is just not good.
0: And going back to the Craig Harrington situation a week prior, you know, you wait till the game starts, and then you have the broadcaster casually drop that Craig Harrington's been placed on leave of absence. And then guess what? Nobody's watching the game because they're all scouring Twitter to find out if they can get the answer. That was in place for at least 24 hours, if not more, before that game. That information could have been out there so that, you know, it could have been something where we were focusing on the game or where people were in the know about whether or not you know, about why Craig Harrington wasn't gonna be there. And it could have been a big deal that Amy Lapelbutt was actually coaching that team for that day and, you know, is now the interim head coach. So
1: I think at the risk of sounding, you know, dense and naive, just I don't understand why everything has to be very top secret with the N- NWSL. Like I feel like that's what it is. That's the that's the whole you know, for lack of better phrase, that's the whole vibe I get. Is everything needs to be top secret, and you know, we need to we need to protect protect the the club and and the front office and and whatnot. And it's it, and sometimes and especially in this case with Larue and Edmonds, they kind of left the players out to hang, like j- just high and dry. Like they had to go and make their own statements. They couldn't even do it through the club, and and there wasn't anything like like I remember when. Megan Rapinoe opted out. She obviously made her statement. And then, you know, there was a statement from, I think it was Fareed Ben or was, um, Bill Predmore, one of the two. So there's, yeah. there's not even the, the chance to have, you know, Mark Skinner or, or one of the front office people in Orlando to, to say something either. Whether it be something just as simple as, yeah, we support Kristen and, and Sydney's, Sydney LaRue's decision to opt out of this game
0: happened in baseball andrelton simmons opted out for the angels with like five days to go the angels put out a quick statement andrelton simmons has elected to opt out of the rest of the season we respect his decision boom done everybody knows why he's not playing the next day and that's the end of it all right a couple of news and notes um carly lloyd kind of hinted this week on social media that she will indeed retire following the uh 2021 olympics and if you see that as a headline is tokyo 2020 that's still what they're calling it but it's 2021 any quick uh i guess there's no such thing as a hot take on carly lord's retirement because we've been discussing it for about 10 years but um anything quickly to add on that
1: no but there is a saying um i remember a couple years ago when ben roethlisberger of the pittsburgh steelers had said he was thinking about retirement and i don't remember who it was but might have been Terry Bradshaw that said, "If you're thinking about retirement, you've already retired." So,
0: a well, little, not, not quite yet. For thought, in that case. All right. Uh, in the English, um, no league action this week, but the FA Women's Cup this weekend quarterfinals: Arsenal 4-0 over Tottenham Hotspur. Everton with an upset of Chelsea, and Everton's off to a good start in the league too. That, that's a team to watch. 2-1 over Chelsea. Birmingham City went to PKs and B Brighton and Havalby. Am I saying that right? I'm working on it. John Howard had me, had given give me some assistance a few weeks ago. Uh, so Birmingham City moves on. That was 2-2 two, two in regulation and uh, Manchester City over Leicester City 2-1. And they're going to come right back and play semis on Wednesday. Birmingham City hosting Everton and then Thursday – Manchester City hosting Arsenal, those are both listed on Soccerway at 2.15 local time, so check your time conversions um, as far as that goes. Let's uh, look at our Twitter questions. A little bit light on the Twitter questions this week, uh, but one from Brooklyn Sooner about Liga MX Femenil opening up the league next year to foreign players. What, if any, details have you heard about this upcoming change? Um, I don't have a lot, just that that was – you know, it was a start small and get bigger part of the plan. And I'll tell you what, that league has a chance to actually, I think, compete with the NWSL in five or ten years if they continue going in the direction they're going. And I think that would be good for the NWSL if that happened.
1: I think it would be cool too to, you know, with the growth of of Liga MX femenil, just maybe grow some, pay attention and grow some other leagues in that kind of central a uh, latin america area i know costa rica has an up-and-coming women's league so you know you build some of these leagues up and you know you could always you know toss your to- have these leagues toss their name in to do a Concacaf champions league like the men have that would be pretty cool
0: sure would. maybe even better than the men because that men's Concacaf champions league can get kind of brutal so it's a mess <laughs> maybe the women's competition <laughs> could jump on and be better right off the bat Uh, Michael Phillips, how are you watching the FA games that are not on the FA play or Sunday's Man City game, for example? I uh, plead ignorance on this, but if I can find out, uh, Michael, I'll respond to the tweet, and I think you're in the same boat as me there.
1: Yeah, those are too early to wake up for.
0: All right, I am going to uh, thank you for being on the pod. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to the Equalizer podcast. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>